Hey, let's give God a big shout of praise one more time for what he's been doing in this place. I love it. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Everyone for tuning in online, even our brothers and sisters watching in Pakistan this morning. Uh, God is moving, and we're so glad that you're here with us. If you're not in Pakistan or in Pakistan, hey, if you would, hit that like and share button for us and help us reach as many people with a gospel as we possibly can. And you hear me say that, and you guys that are connected to the church hear me say that. We've been liking and sharing and what happened was someone in Pakistan connected to our church. That's awesome. That's awesome. They watched the service. They felt connected. They've invited us because it was a pastor invited us to go on a missions trip out there if we should want to and invited us to speak into a pastor's network that he has out there of about 150 pastors that minister in the area. God is off opening up some huge opportunities for us. So, man, I'm telling you, uh, media team, online team, listen, hey, you guys are knocking it out of the park, and we're reaching people in other countries for the gospel of Jesus. Thank you so much for your excellence, guys. God is moving in a big way. I can't wait for Elevate tomorrow night. I find myself in precarious positions every time I get up to speak because I feel excited about what's happening in the moment, but I find myself looking ahead and getting more excited about what I know God is fixing to do in future times of ministry that we have with one another. I'm so excited about Elevate tomorrow night, and I was encouraging the leaders this morning, hey, listen, at the end of the workday tomorrow when you feel tired, take a deep breath and come to Elevate anyway. We'll have food waiting on you. We'll have a great atmosphere waiting on you. Child care is there, so if nothing else, if you've got crazy little ones running around, you can turn those Indians loose to our child care uh, and, and forget about them for a little bit as we talk about the vision of the church and where God is taking us. is the great meeting that you want to be a part of because it's going to be the first time that we begin having conversations about what God is calling us to do as a church for the upcoming year. So it's almost like an insider's kind of meeting. If you're at Elevate tomorrow night, you're going to know a lot of stuff that people are going to have to wait to find out for months down the road. So it's going to be a really powerful gathering. Uh, how many of you would say that God has been speaking to you pretty powerfully over the last couple of weeks? It's 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah. Uh, you guys watching online, hey, throw up a little hand if God's been speaking to you, if the messages have been blessing you. I believe that God's taking us through a very strategic season as a church because he will always do something in you before he does something through you. And God is definitely doing something in our church right now. We're going to continue our conversation, though, on prayer and fasting and dive into this today because you can't talk about prayer and fasting and drawing closer to God without beginning to address at least some element of spiritual warfare. And that's what we're going to be discussing today, um, at least uh, to some extent spiritual warfare and how this all plays into it. <laughs> there was a guy who was in his living room. His wife got home. He heard the door open. He heard the door shut, and he heard a shuffle of feet as his wife walked by. So he turned, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw his wife go into the bedroom carrying a lot of sacks and bags. He went, hmm, this might be bad. So he got up and followed his wife into the bedroom, and he caught her hanging a brand-new dress up in the closet. And he said, huh, so what's the story with that? And his wife said, I know what you're going to say, but it was a pretty good deal. I got it on sale, and it's great. And he goes, really? 
She goes, yeah. He goes, well, what about the budget that we talked about? And she said, well, um, and she shuffled a little bit with her words, and she said, listen, you got to know the devil made me do it. <laughs> and he said, the devil made you do it. She goes, yes, the devil made me do it. I didn't want this dress. I didn't go shopping thinking, I want a dress today. But I was walking through the mall, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the dress, and I thought, well, that looks nice. And then something jumped up on my shoulder and said, you should try it on. It might look nice on you. So I thought, well, it won't hurt to try something on. So I went and I tried it on, and I was looking at myself in the mirror, and something else just jumped up on my shoulder again, and the devil said, you look good in this dress. Girl, you need this dress. You need to buy this dress. And she said, so I, uh, I went ahead and got it. And the husband said, okay, um, so the devil made you do it, right? How much did the devil make you spend? And she goes, well, it was only $450. And he's like, $450? And she goes, yeah, but it was on sale. And he goes, listen, what you should have done was you should have looked the devil in the eyes and said, Satan, get thee behind me. And she said, well, I did that. And he said, girl, it looks good from back here too. <laughs> so I had to get it. <laughs> so, it's a funny joke, but it's a really good illustration of how the enemy will work against us. Subtly tempting and drawing us into scenarios we never intended to get involved in. And we find ourselves making compromises and sellouts on things that were never on our radar in the beginning because he's very subtle at what he does. He's very good at what he does. And really, he's got the easiest job on the planet because all he has to do is talk us into doing or getting the things that inside of us we really desire to do or have anyway. And he takes those hooks and twists it and tries to pull us out of the will of God. This is where prayer and fasting comes into play because prayer and fasting prepare you for confrontation with the enemy. Prayer and fasting will prepare you for confrontation with the enemy, whether it's just subtle temptation or all-out warfare on your life or your household. Prayer and fasting prepares you for confrontation with the enemy. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. There was a situation uh, in, in the journey of Jesus and his disciples where the disciples were beginning to kind of tiptoe into the power and the authority that Jesus was going to entrust them into as they established the early church for him. And so they were praying for people and they were seeing people healed and, and they, all, they were preaching uh, the good news that Jesus told them to preach and people were responding to it. But they found themselves in a situation where they were praying for a young child who was possessed by a demon and they could not cast the demon out of the child. And here comes Jesus into the situation and speaks to the demon. Boom! Cast the demon out of the child like it was nothing. Big celebration moment. But later that day, the disciples come to him and they're like, Hey man, um, what's the deal? How come you could do it and we couldn't do it? And Jesus says something that's kind of eye-opening, especially when it pertains to prayer and fasting. He said... These kinds only come out through prayer and fasting. 
And this gives us a huge insight into the dynamic of spiritual warfare because it hints to the fact that there is a level of authority and power that you cannot access when it comes to um, fighting directly with principalities or demonic forces without spending time in preparation through prayer and fasting to make sure that we're spiritually strong and fleshly weak in those moments of confrontation. So prayer and fasting prepare. The difference was that Jesus was prepared when he confronted the demon. The disciples found themselves unprepared to see something powerful happen. Let me ask you a question. If you had to gauge your life right now, would you find yourself prepared for the battle that may be in front of you or that you're walking through right now? Or are you unprepared for that battle? And I'd submit to you this morning that if you haven't spent in a, a, a regular rhythm of life in prayer and spent seasons in fasting, you're probably not as equipped to dynamically deal with the principalities that may come into play in your life later on. Are you following me this morning? So when it comes to prayer and fasting, it is incredibly important because it doesn't just benefit you and put you in step with the will of God and, and decrease the flesh's ability to entice you and weaken you spiritually, but it prepares you for an, un an, an upcoming little battle that you're going to face in life. And Jesus was no... Uh, exception to this. In fact, I think he said a great example. If you look in Matthew chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus, in verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. Yeah, I bet he did. You can fast a few days and become very hungry. Can I get an amen from some of you guys that have been doing that? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but the Spirit, knowing the confrontation that was about to come, led Jesus into the wilderness for a period of prayer and fasting. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus needed to get stronger spiritually than what he already was? I mean, he's the Son of God, albeit in the flesh. I mean, in this passage of scripture, Jesus had just left being baptized by John the Baptist. The skies had just split apart. The voice of God the Father had just boomed down like thunder and said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit had just descended down upon him like a dove. Okay? I don't know how it works in your life, but if I have a day where I'm going about doing my business and the sky split and the Holy Spirit drops down like a dove and everybody can hear God's voice booming like thunder while I'm doing my stuff, that's a pretty good spiritual day for me, you know? And it's a pretty good indicator that you've got stuff going the right way. And yet Jesus is led away for a period of prayer and fasting. You got to remember that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man at the same time. So while spiritually he may have been strong, there needed to be a reducing of strength in his flesh over a period of 40 days so that there was nothing there that the enemy could get a hold of through temptation. Did you ever think about that? I think in my mind, this is one of two pivotal moments in the ministry of Jesus. And I, I don't want to say one's greater than the other or one's less than the other. But in my mind, I think that this is huge because this is a place where he is going to be directly tempted by the enemy with regards to 
his flesh's desire. Later on is the other encounter where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's laying before his father in prayer, going through an intense moment. But that time the victory wasn't over like his flesh and desires, it was over his will, which is a larger victory, I think. But Jesus was called away for a period of prayer and fasting. And Satan's objective in this moment was to keep Jesus from accomplishing the calling that God had placed on his life. And the same thing is true in your life. Satan's objective is to keep you from accomplishing your calling. And that's important. If, if there's a great motivation behind spiritual warfare, it is this, it's especially in the life of a Christian. He wants to render you ineffective and unproductive and a non-threat. And so he wants to keep you from accomplishing your calling. You notice Satan is in lower caps right there? You know why? Because he doesn't deserve to be a capital letter Satan. He is a little S Satan. He's a little bitty punk. He's a little bitty in trouble angel. That's all he is. But he's very good at tempting us. He wants to keep us from accomplishing our calling. And if you look at how Satan tempted Jesus in that encounter in your own personal time you can go there and read it he went to him and he basically tried to entice him in three different areas he tried to entice him in the area of provision turning the bread into something that could be eaten he tried to entice him in the area of position and gaining the authority and power that he was going to have from his father trying to get hit, give it to him in an illegitimate way. And he was attacking Jesus through identity. And if you stop and you think about it, he's still doing the same thing to us today. Most of the, the major avenues of temptation that the enemy will use against us are through provision, how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to feed, how we're going to do this, through position, and through our identity and who we are and trying to get us to find our identity in an illegitimate way. And James chapter 1 kind of bears this out, gives us an insight into how the enemy works through these dynamics in our lives. It says, temptation comes from our own desires. Everybody say, oh boy. Okay, we're the one that puts the bait on the trap for ourselves. You get this? Satan just puts the trap out there. It's like, it's crazy. We bait the, our own trap. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful action. So Satan's job is to, to identify the desire, manipulate the desire, so that it becomes a trap that lures us away to a sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's how he works. That's how he operates. His game is to identify the desires or what we're pursuing and then use those against us to create a counterfeit or an illegitimate pathway in life to take us out of God's will so that he can keep us from accomplishing God's calling on our lives. That's the end game what it's all about he goes after those desires that's why prayer and fasting are important because prayer makes sure that we are in tune with the heart of god 
That's why you've got to be in rhythm in prayer. So we talked about last week, if you didn't, weren't in the, the service, but I'd encourage you to go watch it online and listen to it. And we brought the band up here and we did this illustration showing what it's like when God has a rhythm that he wants us to fit into. And then we try to play our own song of life. And it just sounds horrible when you set it up against God's beautiful, perfect tune for our lives. we got to make sure that we're praying so that we're in tune. Why? So that his will becomes our will. So that his desires become our desires. So his thoughts become our thoughts. His ways become our ways. And we've got to spend seasons. I would encourage you to spend seasons in, 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 in fasting to accent the prayer that you're in. Because fasting reduces the strength of the flesh. Okay, why is that important? Because when the enemy comes against you, he's going to be checking for avenues of entrance into your life through illegitimate desires that do not line up with God's desire for your life. And he's going to use your flesh to pull you away, like James said. Okay, question. I wonder more times than not if when we're praying and worshiping God and when we're seeking the face of God, if we're actually in prayer to go deeper in a relationship with him or we're in prayer to get stuff from him. The difference in motivation, and one is chasing the gifts that God gives, and one is pursuing after the heart of God to have a relationship with him. Now, here's where it's tricky because the enemy cannot counterfeit a relationship with God. But he can counterfeit the gifts that we try to pursue to get from God. You understand that? And if we're pursuing the gifts of God instead of God himself, then all the enemy has to do is to produce a counterfeit gift to lure us away because if the end game for us is to get the gift then the gift is the reward and it doesn't really matter how we get it and so that's what he will do and 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 here's here's something that i had to ask myself and and here's a, a thought that i, I want to put in front of you this morning this is just something to think about just because you have stuff doesn't mean you have been blessed it doesn't mean that you've been blessed Maybe that household full of blessing that we think we have is a house full of substitutes that we've settled on because our motivation has been messed up because we trained ourselves to go to God in times of need instead of building a consistent relationship with him over time. And we've opened the door for the enemy to come in and entice us from our own desires to pull us out of the will of God. I've got a question for you. Have you sought the heart of God or have you sought the gifts of God? Just because you got stuff doesn't mean that you've been blessed. It doesn't mean that you've been blessed. And think about this. If, we've, if our motivation's been off and we've been pursuing the blessing or the gifts or the stuff or the answer to prayers instead of the one who answers the prayers and we've settled for the counterfeits and maybe our houses are full of stuff that God never intended for us to have in that season or at all, when we give praise for his blessing in our life, maybe we're praising the wrong person for the stuff that we've got. Maybe we should be thanking Satan for the junk that we've got in our lives that has pulled us away from our relationship with God. Because the blessing of God is never going to take you away from God. 
Okay? The blessing of God is never going to take you out of the house of God. It's never going to take you away from the ministry that he's called you to. It's never going to take you away from the relationships with a body of believers that are going to encourage you and protect you and keep you in check. It's never going to take you away from your time of prayer with God. Listen, if you're living a life that is so busy that you can't pray because you're busy trying to pay for the stuff that you've got and you can't be involved in church and you can't be connected to what's going on because of everything that you've got placed in your life, I've got news for you. You may have a substitute life and not the life that God intended for you to have. And this is what Satan wants to do. He wants to entice and confuse and deceive and pull away and deceive us into thinking, man, we've got it going on when we're nowhere near where God wants us to be in our lives. This is how spiritual warfare works, and this is why prayer and fasting is so important because it acts as a safeguard against all of that because if all I want out of this life is to be close to Jesus, then I know that if I seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he's going to give me all that other stuff. So I'm going to seek him wholeheartedly and let the blessings stuff be left up to him. I'm not going to pursue the stuff. I'm going to pursue him. And if I can capture his heart, then I know that I've captured everything that I need. And I'm not going to be open to the deception of the enemy because I'm pursuing him. And him is something that the enemy cannot counterfeit or reproduce. If I'm who I'm supposed to be in Christ, then I don't have to worry about trying to find my identity in anything else. If I'm in God like I should be, then I'm not worried about provision because I know that he will take care of me because of Matthew 6, If I'm in God, then I don't have to worry about position or title or accolade or anything that comes with that because I know that God will promote me when I'm ready to be promoted. And all I have to do is be faithful in a few things and trust in him. And I might be a shepherd out in a field for year after year, but I know a day's coming where I'm going to be anointed to be a king and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. But the timing rests in him and not in how I want the timeline to operate. And so it protects us. It protects us. Well, that that makes a little bit of sense. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to bring out another thought on prayer, fasting, and spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.10 is probably something we've all read a couple of times because this is one of the most popular blocks of Scripture with regard to spiritual warfare. And there have been volumes and volumes and volumes of teaching and writing on these passages of Scripture and uh, what the armor of God that it lists here represent and how to implement these things into your life. And just for the next few minutes, I want to simplify a lot of that for you. I want to simplify a lot of that for you. So what have we established so far? That the enemy's goal is to tempt us from by our desires. So God's safeguard to that is prayer so that we're close to his heart, so that we have him and he cannot be substituted. Prayer and fasting prepare us or the temptation or the confrontation that we have with the enemy takes all the ammo away from him. Ephesians 6, verse 10 kind of speaks to this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, let's pick this apart for just a little bit here. It says, finally, be strong in who? In the Lord. And in whose mighty power? Okay. We are to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. 
But who puts on the armor of God? We do. Okay. So that who can take the stand? Us. Us. So we put on the armor. We take the stand. It's our responsibility to take the stand against the devil's schemes. Okay? But we take the stand in whose whose mighty power? So we take the stand by being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord, that points to relationship. Okay? And in his mighty power, that's his power in operation through us. Two separate steps there. What Paul is saying here is before you get into this battle and before you stand, make sure that you are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Let me point you back to prayer and fasting. Because if you don't have something to pull from, you have nothing to pour out. You know what I'm saying? You'll find yourself in a place where you can't defend yourself. And I see a lot of Christians in that situation where when they are faced with a confrontation with the enemy, they're in trouble because they have not prepared for the confrontation before they arrive at the confrontation. Skip down to Ephesians 6, starting at verse 13. We're going to skip around this chapter just a little bit. Um, It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Everyone say full. The full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. It says, when the day of evil comes, not if, not should, not maybe it's out there and you might be one of those unlucky people that have to walk through it and find yourself in the devil's crosshairs, you know. Um, you can be one of those super spiritual VIPs in the kingdom of God, then he'll pick on you probably. So should you be one of those people, then get ready because that day of evil is coming. Now he says, when it comes, listen, I got news for you, ladies and gents. You better buckle up because the day is coming. Okay. And I can promise you this. All right. (laughs) Either you just walked out of it or you're walking through it right now, or you're about to walk into a day of evil in your life. Okay. There, we are all going to be confronted by the enemy at some point. At some point. You know what I'm saying when I say a day of evil in your life, right? Now, I'm not talking like, you know, I had a bad day. I had a blowout on the interstate, and it was raining outside, and I had to change a tire in the rain. Man, that was an evil day. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about when, when things are going wrong with you circumstantially in life, and things are going wrong with you up here because the enemy is attacking you here in your mind and trying to sow lies into you about who you are and whether or not you really heard from God on what you're stepping out into and all of that stuff and whether or not it's really worth continuing to give and trust God with your finances because they're going to crap right now. And he'll come to you and lie to you about about all of that stuff on top of attacking your identity and saying you're not who you really think you are in the kingdom of God. So you've got a heaviness in your mind, a heaviness on your spirit. You become exhausted mentally and emotionally. All hell's breaking through in life. And then almost like it was supposed to happen, the people in your circle of life suddenly begin to inject useless drama into your life. And it all seems to happen all at once. Like you wake up and you're like, this is going to be a great day. And then it's like you entered into the life of Job. 
You know what I mean? It's like one bad thing after another, one for a week, for a month, for two months. For the day of that is a day of evil. Okay, that's when you can know there's some spiritual attack happening where it's not just one thing, but when you got the trifecta of, oh, dear God, please help me going on, you know that you're walking into a day of evil. So he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. There it is again. Stand your ground. Now, whose job is it to stand? It's our job to stand. But whose power do we stand in? Right. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So then he says, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. Anybody ever went into that round when you were fighting the devil? I'm not talking like five, six, seven rounds of just spiritual warfare. I'm talking um, round 15, round 20. Whatever, it's football game, it's, you're in quadruple overtime. You've done everything that you can. To, like that, that's, you, you reach the point where you are no longer strong enough within yourself to function in what's happening. But now you begin to stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. After you've done everything to stand, then you stand firm. You know what he's saying? He's saying, don't you Give an inch to the enemy and what he's trying to do in your life. So he says you do that, though, first by being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Stand firm then. And then he begins to create this analogy between body armor that a soldier would use and spiritual attributes that will give us victory in our encounter with, with, with the enemy. So he begins to talk about uh, the belt of truth. The, uh, the breastplate of, of righteousness, having our feet fitted with the gospel of peace, and having the shield of faith, having uh, the helmet of salvation, um, carrying the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And he creates a picture of a soldier standing firm, refusing to move, armored up, but he creates a connection between these spiritual attributes and the armor and the weaponry that's used. There's been a lot of teaching on this, and I'm not saying the teaching is wrong, but I want to simplify a lot of that teaching. Did you know that for every attribute that's given to the armor that we're supposed to wear when we stand firm, look at truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God, all of those things, those are not individual pieces of armor that we put on. That is an entire blanket of protection that covers all at once. Every one of these things are attributes that are given to Jesus in Scripture. Every one of them. Every one of them. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Our righteousness is found in him. Amen? He is. He is peace. He is the prince of peace. You know what? <laughs> he, our faith is found in him. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. He is the source of our salvation. There is no other name given to man by which they can be saved. And he is the, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was 
with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is all of that stuff. It's, it's amazing what, what Paul is doing here on a deeper level. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, and then make sure that you're covering yourselves in the attributes of Jesus. How do you do all of that? It's called a beautiful, strong relationship with him. Paul is saying to be prepared for the day of evil, to be able to stand your ground and to stand firm in the Lord and in his mighty power, and to put on, what he's saying is you stand on Jesus, you put on Jesus, and you fight in Jesus. You stand on him, you put him on, and you fight in him. What, what he's saying here is this, and, and this, is, this is kind of a grown-up presentation because a lot of times what we're trained to do is when the enemy attacks, that we retreat back to Jesus into our safety safe, and the devil can't hurt us in our safety safe place. He can't hurt us when we run to Jesus. What Paul is saying is this. No, you don't run to Jesus. You abide in Jesus, and you walk in in Jesus, so that when the enemy comes against you, he's not just coming against you, he's coming against the Jesus that you're walking in, standing on, covered, and fighting with. You don't retreat, but you stand and you stand firm and you put a pop knot on that Joker's head. That's what he's saying. You stand and you fight. What he's saying is that Jesus' victory for us on the cross now becomes his victory through us. Jesus won the victory, but he makes us more than what? More than conquerors. More than conquerors. And I was thinking about this. It all goes down to our relationship with him. Now, I know I'm oversimplifying this, but in a way, this is a powerful truth because it is that simple. Prayer and fasting keep you close to the Lord and weakens the flesh so that you find yourself prepared before you enter into a season of confrontation with the enemy so that he has nothing really to tempt you with because you are standing on Jesus. You have put on Jesus. When he looks at you, he doesn't so much see you. He sees a reflection of the one that defeated him on the cross. You walk in the authority and the power. And then I think about other passages of Scripture like Romans 8, um, looking at, Verse 16 says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, whose child are you? We are, that's right, we're children of God. Now, look at this. If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Do you understand the power of that statement? that we don't just have a heavenly father that we can run to to protect us because he's our daddy, but we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. That means, that means that we operate in that same authority and then that same power because, because to be a child of the king means that you operate in all the power of the king's ship. Now, you might just be a prince or a princess, but everything you do carries a weight of authority. You understand what I'm saying? Carries that weight of authority. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. Then in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, the weapons we fight with 
with regard to spiritual warfare. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Why don't the weapons we fight with have divine power? Because we are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. The weapons who fights with? We fight with. We fight with. We're walking around as heirs and co-heirs with Christ, fighting with spiritual weapons against principalities. And look at this. It says that we have the power to demolish strongholds. Not defeat them, but demolish them, rendering them to powder, to demolish so that there is no trace of. That's the power and the authority that we operate in. Why? Because we're strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Matthew 18, 18 says this. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why? Because you have spiritual weapons that are capable of demolishing strongholds. Why? Because you are a child of the most high God, an heir and co-heir with Christ, walking in power and authority, that as long as you are in relationship with him and staying at a place where the flesh is weak and the spirit is strong, the enemy can find no hook in you to try to pull you away and thwart the will of God for your life. And here is the core source of the entire battle is that he is fighting against you to lure you away so that you don't discover who you really are in him. Because when you discover who you are in him, him being Jesus, the enemy, now he's got a day of evil that he's looking forward to. It flips just a little bit. There are two hunters one of them read online that there was a group in Alaska that was offering to pay a bounty of $5,000 a piece for every wolf that could be hunted down and killed because they were attacking livestock and messing up their systems there, attacking some of the people. So they said, enough of it. Wolf population is too high. Any hunter that wants to show up, you get a free license unlimited tags, and $5,000 for every wolf that you can kill in this area. The two hunters said, $5,000 a wolf, that could add up in a hurry. Let's go do it. So they cleared their schedules. They booked the flight to Alaska. They hiked back into the back country. Day one of the hunt, nothing. Day two of the hunt, nothing. Day three of the hunt, they killed their first lone wolf. And they dressed it out and kept the hide outside the tent so that they could show it as proof that they had killed the wolf and get their money. And that night, they went to sleep. It's full moon. Can you imagine out there in the wilderness of Alaska, full moon? You don't hear a thing until one of the hunters is woken up by what sounded like shuffling of feet and got his attention. So he just listened so he could try to gauge the size of the beast because there could be a it could be a, uh, a caribou it could be a bear it could be anything out there and then he heard more shuffling of feet 
rustling off in the distance and it sounded like a whole herd of animals was coming through. He grabbed his flashlight and unzipped the little window of the tent and shined his light out to see what he could see and all he saw were eyes. Just dozens and dozens and dozens of eyes and he dropped the light to look a little bit closer and he realized what he was looking at was a pack of wolves that had come to avenge the lone wolf that they had killed earlier that day and they were literally surrounded by 60 plus wolves in the pack. Panic hit his heart immediately. He's like, oh my gosh, there's only two of us. There's no way we stand a chance against what I'm seeing. Oh my God, we're about to die. So he wakes up, his buddy says, wake up, wake up, wake up. You, you have got to see what's going on here, man. We're in trouble. His buddy wakes up and says, what are you talking about? He goes, look, I want you to see what I saw. And his buddy held up the flashlight and he goes, oh my gosh. We are literally surrounded by over 60 wolves. You can see the eyes. You can hear the snarls. They, they were pawing at the tent because they had located the guys and they were just ready to go in for the kill. And his buddy started panicking. He says, I, I never thought I would die like this. I just can't believe this. This is horrible. And his other buddy got quiet for a second. And he said, horrible? We're rich, bro. A difference in perspective. One saw the opposition. The other remembered what he had to fight with. Okay, when it comes to spiritual warfare, the same thing is true, guys. You can look at what you're fighting and what, what is trying to oppose you, or you can remember what you've got to fight with. You can remember who you are in Christ. You can remember that you're a child of God. You can remember that you can call down principalities, that you remember that there is power with what you say. You remember that there is power and authority because you are strong in the Lord and in his mighty power that you're standing on Christ, that you put on Christ, that you fight with Christ, and in that, there is the victory over everything that we're facing. And the enemy's entire end game in all of this is to try to keep the church focused on the wolves surrounding the tent, to look at the trouble in the world, to look at the, the rise of the promotion of homosexuality, to be divided on the politics and arguing over all the wolves that are out there, to keep our eyes on the wolves, to keep our eyes on the wolves, to keep our eyes on the things that are happening that we can't do anything about, that we're going to gripe and complain about so we become known for what we're against instead of who we're for. And, and we can become distracted by the wolves instead of remembering what we've got to fight with. That's his game. He wants you to... He wants you to never realize the potential of who you can be in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sick of looking at wolves. And I'm ready to do some hunting. Now, I don't know about you, <laughs> but, I, but I think it's time for the church to step into the power and potential that Christ paid the price for us to have. Instead of settling for the distractions and the gifts of the enemy, that we become whole in our relationship with God. And through prayer and fasting, we reach the level 
that we need to reach spiritually so that we can cast out those that only come that only come out through prayer and fasting. That in a way, uh, like the, the, the church would say, wow, that's, that's extraordinary. That's amazing that you would even think that people could operate in that anointing and that power and expect that when you pray for sick people that they're healed and expect to even see the dead raised in your lifetime, to, to expect all of that. But when I read the Word of God, it's not extraordinary. It's normal for the life of a believer. And what the enemy has done is he sold us a lot of you can't do this and you can't have that and you can't approach that. And he's distracted us in so many different ways. And today God is reminding us, hey, hey, forget about all those distractions. Focus on me. And don't come after me for the gifts that I can give. I know what you need. Come after me to have a relationship with me. And I'll take care of the rest of it. Take all the tools of the enemy away from him. And when that day of evil comes, you'll find yourself prepared to stand and to stand firm and to fight and to win the day. Instead of retreating back and then trying to reclaim ground, now you're holding the ground and taking new ground for my kingdom. And that's God's word to us today. Eastgate Church, everybody watching online, hey. Let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of who you are. Take your eyes off the wolves and grab that gun and remember who you've got to fight with and what you've got to fight with. By my count, he's never lost, not one time. Those are pretty good odds to me. Amen. Let's all stand together as we get ready to close in prayer this morning. We've already seen God do so much today. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word, Lord, for what you've done in this place. But I do know this, that there are people here today that would say that they have been distracted and that this word has reminded them the truth of what this thing is all about, who they are, and maybe... In your presence today, you've exposed the schemes of the enemy and showed them the lies that he sold them about who they are, about how they go about obtaining possessions, Lord, and positions and accolades and all of that stuff, Lord. Father, I want today to be a day in your presence where we just lay down those hooks of the enemy. And come back to strength and power in our relationship with you. That today be a day of freedom for all of us here. As we remember who we are. As we step into who we are. And as we continue to walk in who we are in you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. I want to ask you a question first. You're here this morning. You say, you know what, Pastor Josh? The enemy's been deceiving me. The enemy's been lying to me. The enemy's been distracting me. And I've had enough of that. And I'm putting my focus back where it needs to be today. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes and I want you to look at me. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I'm not going to really drag this out. You know right now what you've been walking through in life and what you've been facing. If that's you, on the count of three, lift your eyes and look at me because I want to pray for you and pray with you this morning. Here we go. One, two, three three. Lift them up and look at me. I see yours, yours. I see yours, yours, yours. I see yours. Praise God. 
There's a lot of us going through some stuff this morning. Now, how many of you would say, how many of you would say that you want to take the fight to the enemy today? How many of you would say, Pastor Josh, I want to rise up and the authority that I have as a child of God and just rip down strongholds and call down principalities to cast the demon out of out, uh, the work of the enemy out of our lives and out of the lives of those that we love. How many of you want to take the fight to him and rise up and do some war today? Say, Pastor Josh, I want to do some war. Slip your hand up in the air and let me see you. Pastor Josh, I want to do some war. I want to do some war today. Yeah, I want to do some war today. Do some war. Let's do some war for our families. Let's do some war for our finances. Let's do some war for our country. Let's do some war for our community. Let's do some war for ourselves today. By standing strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Whew. Man, let's just, you know what? Let's, let's all, since we're all standing, how about we pray against some stuff and release some stuff in a good way in the name of Jesus? Can we do that this morning? So, Father, we've come before you right now, standing strong in you and in your power. Lord, as your children operating with your authority that you've trusted with us. Lord, we're going to put to use the weapons that you've given us now in the name of Jesus. And most of that is through the spoken word. Lord, every, most of what you did was through the power of the spoken word. Because when you have authority and you speak in authority, then all things bow to the authority. So in the name of Jesus, Father, all of us. Now, think about what you're praying for. Think about who you're praying for. Think about... Think about the scenarios, the situations, the, the victories that you need to see in your life. I want to pray over us, but I want you to pray for yourself with regard to what's going on in your life. And let's lift up a roar of prayer and take this fight to the enemy. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's do this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we stand on the truth of your word. God, we have had enough of what we see happening in our lives. So, Lord, we choose to stand firm in you. Father, we rebuke, we rebuke the attack of the enemy on our personal lives right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we understand fully that there are times of testing and there are times of temptation that we as believers have to walk through, and we're not exempt from that. If your son wasn't exempt from that, how can we expect to be exempt from that? But we, just like your son did, take authority over the situation by the truth of your word. You are our source. You are our provider. You are everything that we need. So we silence the voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. All the lies that he's tried to tell us, to try to tempt us in the wrong direction. God, we are sick and tired of it. Silence his voice in the name of Jesus, Lord. We only hear what you say. Father, we only go where you say to go. Father, we only do what you say to do because we're in tune with you and there's nothing that the enemy offers that we're even remotely interested in right now. Lord, the enemy's attacking some of our families right now. He's attacking some of our children. He's attacking some of our loved ones. So right now in the name of Jesus, God, enough of that. Lord, we claim those people for your kingdom in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. 
Lord, I pray that you begin to work in their hearts to turn their hearts back towards you. I know ultimately we choose our own path, and I know that you will never override our free will to choose, but I do know this, Lord, that you can sculpt situations and circumstances and create a climate for a life transformation. So I pray that you do that in their lives in the name of Jesus. God, we halt the enemy's attack on our loved ones in the name of Jesus. God, we come against what the enemy's trying to do in our communities. Lord, drug use is through the roof in Douglas, Carroll, Paulden counties, Lord, and Cobb County is through the roof, Father. Lord, the people are committing suicide in droves. The numbers are through the roof, Lord. Marriages are splitting up in record numbers, Father. Lord, people are choosing the easy way out, Father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that that spirit a depravity, Lord, that that spirit of hopelessness be broken over this area in the name of Jesus. Lord, we call down those strongholds and those principalities in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, we speak freedom over this area in the name of Jesus because where we go, your spirit goes. And where your spirit is, there is freedom. So, Lord, we claim this territory for you everywhere we've set our feet as free in your presence, Lord. I pray that you give us the very words of life to speak over everyone, Lord, to counteract the words of defeat that the enemy has sold to them, God, and that you use us to carry the light that we're asking for into this community, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I cast down. Lord, we come against. Everybody pray with me on this. Lord, we come together in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we come against the spirit of religion that is in this area in the name of Jesus. Lord, the spirit that would kill people, <laughs> that would kill their early walk with you. Lord, this spirit that would operate in pride and haughtiness. Lord, this spirit that promotes division and competition between your churches in this area. Father, we come against that spirit of religion in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's been in operation in this region for a long time. Lord, and we say the time is done. The time is done. So, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus with these beautiful people that it ends. Lord, that your revival fire begins to ignite dead churches through this area. Lord, that preachers would step into the pulpit and preach your word without fear. Lord, without political agenda. Lord, without trying to appease itching ears. God, I pray that the pastors and preachers will grow a spiritual spine and stand on their own two feet and look people in the eye and boldly proclaim the word that you have put in their heart instead of putting it on a shelf out of fear. God, I pray. Lord, for a spirit of truth to rise up in the churches in this area in the name of Jesus. Lord, that a spirit of religion dies and that an authentic spirit birthed through relationship with you begins to flow in this area and see lives impacted and changed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift this church up to you. Lord, we ask that you continue to move powerfully in this church and do what you do. Lord, this is your church. It's not ours. Lord, this is your stage. It's not ours. This is your ministry. It's not ours, Father. We're stewards over it, Lord. Speak to us and show us what you want us to do. Lord, we want to be just like Christ in saying that we do what we hear you say.
We go where you tell us to go. We do what you tell us to do, Father. We listen to you and do what you say, Lord. Father, I pray over all these beautiful people that as they continue to take steps further into their relationship with you, Lord, that you continue to reveal yourself to them. Lord, that you speak to them through your word. Father, that every day would be like they've come to know you fresh and anew all over again, Father. Lord, that you take us deeper into your presence so that we can be a people that say that we are strong in the Lord and in your mighty power, that we're standing on Christ, that we're standing in Christ, and that we're fighting with Christ that we're walking in all the authority and power that we have because we have caught a glimpse of who we are and we've moved away from the enemy's lies. Lord, I thank you for that in Jesus' name.